What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. Welcome to Politics by Faith. We did a special on the TV show on the First TV, firsttv.com, on uh, Joe Biden. And is Joe Biden getting too old? Will he make it to the election? So obviously this is a lot of politics here. If you want to skip to the last five minutes, we do a more of a, of a Politics by Faith religious angle with some important topics introduced. So you can skip to the end if you like, or if you're interested in this special, enjoy. Hey, America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Our special today, will Joe Biden make it to election day? In a lot of ways, November is going to be here before you know it. it's right around the corner. So you're like, well, if he's standing now, he'll be standing in November. But if you're 82 and you're elderly, things can fall fast. We've all had a friend or family member who was older and they're doing great. And they're like, not a day over 72. And then when they start to fail, it sadly goes very quickly. Here is Joe, not that long ago. This is from 2019. $100 billion in loopholes that can't be justified. And folks, the fact of the matter is, we can do all we need to do without punishing anybody. So that wasn't ancient history. <laughs> that long ago, he sounds fine. And here's a clip of him just the other day. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's doing The sweater doesn't help him look youthful either, uh, but it will get worse at an accelerating pace, it always does. I'm honestly surprised Joe's made it this long upright, but can he make it another year? Now, we can debate that, but there's no debate that he won't make it another five. <laughs> like, like we can talk about it. Will he make it a year? Like, maybe, maybe he'll make it a year. Will he make it five more years? No chance. So the vice president, Kamala Harris, if Biden wins, Kamala will be the president one day. We'll talk more about that coming up with one of our guests. The White House knows Joe is old. This is no mystery. They're going to protect him best they can in this campaign. They can't completely stop him from making a fool of himself. Like just the other day, this picture that Amy Klobuchar took of her and Joe and the boys 
taking back some brewskis at the bar after a long blue collar day out on the job site. Ridiculous. But Joe's got the hard hat on backwards. And then when they, they and like no one there knew that it was backwards. Like no, none of like Amy Klobuchar's people when they posted this picture were like, I think the hat's on backwards, which is hilarious. But then afterwards the media like tried to be like, no, no, that's actually forward. And that's not backwards at all, which is great. So listen, they're gonna keep making mistakes, of course, but can they protect him with the big thing uh, about how obvious uh, his decline is. They've tried. Uh, November 2022, when he turned 80, the White House held a wedding for his granddaughter, Naomi, burying the fact that Joe was turning 80. That was not by accident. None of this stuff ever is. But everyone knows it. There was a poll back in November. It's only going to get worse for him, but there's a poll back in November. 69% of Democrats, 74% of Independents, and 89% of Republicans said he's too old for another term. It's a lot of people. The majority of Democrats. So are people going to vote to keep him in there till 2028? When it'll be 86? Maybe. I think they might. <laughs> That's the thing. People will be like, he, you're too old to be president and they'll still vote for him anyway. One reason people can't just can't think that far ahead. But also, uh, if you have TDS... Man, like, forget it. Nothing matters. If you have Trump derangement syndrome, you'll do anything to keep not the Nazi out of the White House. Just for comparison's sake, the oldest president alive today is Jimmy Carter. He's hanging on at 98. But he left office at 56. <laughs> he left office at 56. Joe's 82. Now they should both be living in a senior center. This is a commercial that Trump posted the other day about White House senior living. At White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me, but I've been eating all, all Italian food, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents. Gosh, that's so good. <laughs> that's perfect. So here's the deal. Biden will not resign unless something serious happens, of course. It's just way too much pride. We'll talk with Alex Marlowe about this coming up in a little bit. But this, him being president is the culmination of his childhood dream. Uh, so he's never given it up. Not to mention it's good for the family business. So you don't give that up if you're an egomaniac, which he is. So it's going to be interesting to see how the media protects him. My favorite story on this point the best, like you, there's no better example of this, is Woodrow Wilson. 1919, Woodrow Wilson just got back from Europe, um, and he was, was barnstorming across the country to try to get people to, to support the League of Nations. And he got a bad case of the Spanish flu when he was over in Europe. But he's on this train, and his face muscles started to twitch, and he got nauseous, and he had really bad headaches. And then the left side of his mouth started to sag, and no one could die anymore. He was having a stroke. So they stopped the tour. He was in Colorado. They stopped the tour, raced back to D.C. It took a couple days to get to, get to D.C. And that was it. For the rest of 20, uh, 1920, he was in his bed. He was bedridden, kept away from everyone. He tried to run for a third term. He wanted to run for a third term. That was a step too far. But he was confined to his bed. He was president for a whole year. No one saw him except for his wife and his doctor. And he was president for a year. 
Now we've shared that story before here on the TV because the, uh, there was a reporter from the New York World who wrote an article about how the president's never been healthier. Oh, he's youthful and vibrant and has a new lease on life and it was all a lie, every single bit of it. And that writer won the Pulitzer Prize for that article that he totally made up. So there's precedent for this and the media is gonna do everything they can to protect Joe today. Now that was in 1920. Is it possible to protect a president the same in 2024? I don't know. Can they hide Joe forever? Maybe. Like, honestly, maybe. The media may be able to get away with that. Listen, Barack Obama smoked half a pack a day when he was president, and there are no pictures of him smoking in the White House. So the media can control whatever images they want, prevent any from getting out. Remember the picture, the video of uh, Hillary, like, fainting at the 9-11 memorial for her election in 2016? Right? Like, the media didn't share that picture. It was just some guy who happened to be standing there, happened to be taking a picture of it. It's the only reason we ever got that. The media, if they had, if like CNN had video of it, they never would have shared it. Now, it's going to be a little trickier. 2020, COVID gave him the perfect excuse to knock it out and do anything. And every, every time he had a rally, it was like one of these, like, bizarre drive-in car rallies or something. So everyone can keep their distance, six feet to slow the spread. So you can't do that again. So what's he going to do? Well, they'll spin it away. Time Magazine wrote an article, The Weaponization of Biden's Age. This whole special we're doing today, this whole, uh, this whole conversation, we're weaponizing his age. They said that the, uh, the American Psychological Association determined that ageism is the last socially acceptable prejudices. And then one of their, one of their spins was, uh, you could, people are like, hey, you know, your cognitive faculties start to decline when you're old. And their argument is, oh, your, your uh, cognitive abilities decline in your late 20s. <laughs> okay, all right. He's 82. <laughs> all right, but see how they're gonna spin it around? So it's gonna be fun to see how they protect him and how they, they spin it. And every time Biden makes a mistake, they'll, they'll be, oh, you're, you're an ageist <laughs> or whatever. You haven't been called an ageist. You've been called a racist, a bigot, all the sexist, of course. Uh, you haven't been called an ageist yet, but. Get ready for that. For that, Listen, I'm to the point now where I want Joe Biden to run. I want him to run. I don't want him to drop out now. The Democrats are floundering with him. He's a total loser. And if a Newsom or a Michelle Obama jump in the race, those two may give the Democrats the excitement they need. Now, we could talk about 2028. That's going to be very intriguing, quite a, quite a clean slate in a lot of ways. But... I don't want those two running in 2024. There's plenty of gossip that Michelle could run. They're talking about it. Will she do it? We'll talk more about that coming up as well. There's the big Kamala problem, of course, too. But we have a candidate, two candidates who are known. We had three years of Trump pre-COVID, three years of Biden. We know what each of them are. The choice is obvious. But if someone unknown comes in, like, like we know Michelle Obama, but you know they can spin it as like, oh, she'll be the best president because they can't do that with Biden because we know what a terrible president he is. So the left can concoct this excitement about the magical wonders that will be a uh, Michelle Obama presidency or something. So I don't want to deal with that. I think strategically it's better for Trump if Biden stays just healthy enough to stay in the race so Trump can beat him fair and square. I think Biden... He may pull off an RBG, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? So Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired when Barack Obama was in office. And then Barack Obama would have just replaced her. But instead, she hung on thinking that Hillary would win. And then Trump won. 
and then she died, and Amy Coney Barrett replaced her, and the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Whoops. So Biden running again, I think, makes it more likely that Trump will win. So I hope he stays. So listen, when we have this conversation with our wonderful guests moving forward and for the next year, uh, I don't, I, I, I was joking about ageism a second ago, but like, this is nothing, there's no ageism here. Getting old is nothing to be ashamed of. I read actually a pretty good article from Scott Turow in Vanity Fair. He's 75. He wrote an article about how Biden needs to hand over the keys of the car. And he's like, listen, I'm getting old. He said, he said, almost, I forget stuff all the time. He said, almost every proper noun eludes me after a glass of wine. He said, at 75, I move to the senior tees. I have trouble climbing stairs. I wear hearing aids. And I did hand over the keys to my younger wife. And it's all really hard, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. I actually wish we valued age more in our country. I wish men and women could move into the sage phase of life more gracefully than we do now. Maybe we could talk about that at the end of the show. So that's one thing, aging gracefully. But we can't let someone who's losing his mind be the president of the United States. We could talk about policy differences, of course. But step one, before we even get to that, step one is more important. So let's talk about that. Alex Marlowe, and a man who is convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president. All coming up next, right here on The First. This podcast is brought to you by Patriot Gold Group. There are two things that Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, and JP Morgan agree on. And that is that the Fed will cut rates in 2024, and we will see record high gold, record high gold prices in 2024. So that's good if you have gold. Patriot Gold Group, these are the guys to buy it from and to get it before you're too late. Patriot Gold Group's the best. They're, they're one of us. They share our values. It's so important to me. I know you too. And that's Patriot Gold Group. They have a no-fee-for-life IRA where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver. Um, so you can call them about that or just, and or just buy gold or silver. Just own it in your hands at your house. 1-888-617-6122. Get a free investor's guide. 888 888- 617-6122 or patriotgoldgroup.com. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, there's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. <laughs> That's such a great clip. I've never seen that clip. I have no idea what he's talking about. That's amazing. Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe is the author of Breaking Biden, Exposing the Hidden Forces and Secret Money Behind the Machine Behind Joe Biden. His family and his administration, and then his previous book, Breaking the News, has just come out in paperback. Alex, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on for this scintillating hey. subject matter. <laughs> well, you're the expert. So, first of all, that clip is hilarious. Um, maybe we should break, I don't know, should we break Biden into two segments? Maybe like Old Biden and current Biden. How about old Biden? Was old Biden sharpened with it? Yeah. 
No, no, he's the same guy. And this is why I'm emphatically in the he will make it to the election camp because he's always been this way. I spent a year and a half researching him. As you know, you've been very kind to share with your various audiences um, some of my research. And I found the craziest stuff Biden said. He said in the 70s. He said in the 80s. He said it five years ago. Uh, He's not doing anything different from what he always does. He's always been this way. And he's got a grip on power now. He's not going to give it up. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Because I was all, I don't know why I was naive enough to think that he would go off into the sunset and, and you know let, let it pass and say, oh, I did the four, I'll now pass the torch down to other people. Uh, and then I read your book and it's like, well, no, of course he won't do that. <laughs> like, there's no chance. Well, why? Enlighten us why he won't do that. Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, this is his whole life. The presidency has always defined his life. He's wanted to be president since he was a, a child. Uh, I don't know if there were records, like actual records back then when it first dawned on him, I want to be president. Everything he's done has been building up to this moment, and he's finally got it. And the guy he's going to run against is the guy he beat last time. So all of that suggests he's going to stay in there. All the various powers that be are pretty happy with him. If you look at the betting markets, they still think he's still going to be the guy. Uh, if you look at the donor class, they're just they can't give the guy money fast enough. Kamala Harris as well as running mate, who's so unimpressive, still rakes in donor cash. Uh, the total the political apparatus is ready to rally behind him um, because they know that he's good for business. If you look at the stock market right now, the biggest companies in the world benefit. If you look at the defense contractors, the consultants, they're all thriving in Joe Biden's America. They're not going to upset that apple cart. But the main ingredient, the reason why he has to cling to power forever is that he is no heir. He is no one to pass off his legacy to. And until that person emerges, he's going to hang on till his dying breath. Okay, we got a couple of things there. So I think everyone who's not plugged in like you are is curious what, what the donor class, what the elites, what the people behind the scenes are, are doing and thinking. And it's easy to come to a conclusion, I think, just making it up, that uh, they don't like Joe. And they really do want to kick Joe out. So what's your assessment on the, the the people in charge? They do like him. Well, they're not dumb, so they know he's vulnerable. Uh, they know that he's not been a great president and his policies have failed in a lot of ways. Uh, but he's been good for them personally. Um, if you look at the tech mm-hmm. sector, the Magnificent Seven, as they call it, the seven companies that are kind of carrying our stock market, the most powerful companies in the world, uh, they're, you know, five out of the seven are just absolutely killing it right now. Um, Tesla's not doing that great at the moment, but they're, that's a cult stock uh, around Musk. And yeah. uh, Google's kind of off because the AI programs are now competing with the search, which is interesting. It's an interesting wrinkle. But by and large, biggest companies in the world love Joe. Defense contractors love Joe. Joe was a jobs program for the war industry because he's constantly putting us on the precipice of war, which is great for their business. The DC establishment is so not threatened. Hollywood, Wall Street, no one's threatened by Joe. And so that means they can go and continue to take advantage of our system. So getting anyone else in there is a, there's a thought, there's a suggestion, there's an inkling that maybe some things will change. And the people in power in this country, the oligarchy, they don't want things to change. So they're happy with Joe. Mm. Yeah, good point. What about his health, though? We, we kicked off the segment talking about one of my favorite stories is Woodrow Wilson. In 1920 or 1919, sure. he had a stroke and he was like in bed for a year and <laughs> no one knew. And then the New York World wrote an article about yeah. him and now he's great and everything's amazing. And the guy won a Pulitzer Prize and it was a total lie. So I don't know if you could pull that off in 2024, but maybe they could. Like, how bad would his health have to be before they can, they have to push him off? 
Yeah, it's not going to get bad enough unless he's literally has a foot in the grave. Uh, they, they don't care. Um, the They're able to cover up a lot of stuff. This is one place that I found I was not totally satisfied when I was researching this in the book because it really does feel like they go out of their way, the people around Joe, to lie about his health. I, I do believe that. he All that we could figure out, we could glean his health problems, Mike, are that he has acid reflux and a stiff gait. Those are the only <laughs> problems with Joe, who's nine million years old, which of course is a lie. I, and then they had this weird, remember that weird sleep apnea news cycle where he had all those imprints on his face from the sleep apnea yes. device? Everyone's going, what's going on? Uh, the explanation they gave was so surreal because they acted like it's no big deal. This is a condition a lot of people have. And, and also that we had disclosed this 15 years ago. I had no evidence this was disclosed 15 years ago. So it, it was simultaneously this like fleeting thing that no big deal, but also he's had it forever. And it's just, the messaging is just terrible and clearly dishonest, but uh, he's always come off as a guy who's deteriorating. That's the main thing. And I don't see a lot of rapid decline relative to what we've always seen. Oh, say that last sentence again, what do you mean? I don't think he's rapidly deteriorating. He's always been somewhat, he's always been a few fries short of a Happy Meal, so to speak. And there's always been something off about the guy. But that's been since he was a boy. So it's not that different now. But what about his stiff gait? Is it stiffer? Is it getting stiffer over time? It looks very stiff when he's wandering around the, the White House lot. I mean, it just seems like he is quite awkward. He claims to be a six handicap in golf, Mike. Which would put him in like the top two or three percent of golfers in, in the country. So that's uh that's that, that's that, a Kim that, Jong Un propaganda. Impressive considering his schedule. Yeah, gosh, the best joke about uh, Biden is the Shane Gillis joke that when he ends a speech, he turns into a Roomba. Just doesn't know yeah, where to doesn't, <laughs> doesn't know where to go with that, like. with that gate of his. Um, listen, you're, the most important point of your book, I think, and everyone needs to read it, of course. But the most important point, it can't be made enough, is that he knows what he's doing. Like, you don't stumble into the White House. And I, I think that's such a good point. We can't just write him off as a fool. So, and I think people are quick to do this with the Obamas. They're like, oh, no, the Obamas are really running the show. What is that relationship? Who's really running the show at the White House today? Yeah, I have no evidence the Obamas are running the show. This is one of these things that it makes sense logically, but there's not really any evidence. Uh, and it's the, the, a lot of people are fantasizing about uh, the Democrats parachuting Michelle Obama in at the DNC to be the nominee. Uh, the, the, the reason why they're fantasizing about that is because it it could work. If they tried to do that, no one would probably stop them. And they would be, I mean, if Joe didn't really put his foot down, then they could pull it off. Uh, the problem is the Obamas show no interest in doing anything like that. Michelle Obama doesn't like this country. She's getting paid tens of millions of dollars to write books and do documentaries and do podcasts and They've got fiction movies now, and it's a very easy life, and she can be removed from the public eye. The thought that she wants to you know, start dealing with a trade policy and South American policy and war in the Middle East, and uh, this, uh, the, the Democrats are in a rock and a hard place with what's going on uh, with Israel because their base likes the Pal once a Palestinian state, they wanna reward the terrorists. And common sense people think, well, why would you do that? And they gotta navigate that. Michelle Obama doesn't want to do any of that. So she's no interest in this. And so until I see evidence she does, then Joe's their guy, they're stuck with Joe. And yeah, the Obamas have some people in their ecosystem that are in the White House, 
But the same thing with the Clintons and the same thing with people who have been with Joe Biden since the 1980s are in his uh, kitchen cabinet or his regular cabinet right now. So it's a big balancing act. Yeah, it's really interesting about Michelle. We'll talk more about her in the next segment. Uh, I read this analysis about celebrities because you know, people are talking about like The Rock running for president. And this person, whoever this was like, The Rock's never gonna run because who wants to do all the things you just said? Like, I'm already rich and famous. Yeah. I can do whatever I want and go wherever I want. Like, what's the point of like dealing with all this nonsense? Um, so I guess the question then is like, why does Trump want to do it? Or is he just a different breed yeah. of ambition? I think Trump saw it probably as a, as a win-win. He's always thought about running for president. So when he ran the first time, I, I think he probably thought, um, I, I could do a good job, I could be a disruptive force, I could reset some stuff, and uh, he obviously is the biggest ego on the planet, and that would have been very satisfying to that. And then if he didn't, he would have got all sorts of attention. And he's very much of the mindset from what I've, and I've got to know him a fair bit, that the vast majority, not all press is good press, but the vast, vast, vast majority of press is good press. So he runs a good campaign, he mixes it up with people, probably could help his businesses, and maybe he pulls it off and wins. Um, it's the, I don't know if that's the wiring of people who are uh, in this current, it, who have been accepted by mainstream Hollywood, people who are mm -hmm. uh, do blockbuster movies and get all these endorsement deals in their Instagram. It's then so so what do you want to do? You're now going to face down Xi Jinping? It's just, it, it's a flight of fancy and it's not going to happen anytime uh, soon. Uh, very good. Uh, last question. Will any of Joe's scandals catch up to him before election day or now is the media just going to pass over them all? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I certainly hope they will because I think the pressure coming from Comer is going to be intense. I think Hunter is going to make some mistakes because he is a, a troll by nature and he knows Joe's gonna pardon him after the election, win or lose. So he's gonna be tempted to commit all the crimes possible between now and election day. So I think that's gonna happen because he's gonna probably continue to do bad things uh, because he can get away with them. This is gonna cause, I think, some negativity for Joe because people are gonna tire of it. Uh, and aside from me, I'm gonna love every minute of it. So I think that that's a possibility, but hopefully there's more that comes out on Joe's finances being intertwined with foreign governments which is 100% a, a thing, and there's been still relatively little reporting on it. So I'm hoping that there'll be more between now and Election Day. All the reporting you need is on the giant book behind Alex right now. You can get a normal-sized book online, like this size, right here, Breaking Biden. How is Breitbart.com going to handle this election moving forward? What should people look forward to at Breitbart.com? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I'm... I'm consistently feel trying to feel out what are going to be the emerging narratives, the way the Democrats try to cheat. Uh, the one they seem to be going to right now is they are, are trying to make this uh, insurrection or threat to democracy. Uh, that's the new coronavirus. That's going to be their excuse to do all sorts of things that we never considered as a country, keeping people off ballots, saying that people should be you know locked up for being political opponents uh, to the status mm -hmm. quo. And that's, that is going to be a major deal. We're going to see a lot of the uh, Russia collusion hoax narrative played out again in that format. A lot of the coronavirus stuff, that's going to play out again in that format. That's a big deal for them. The, the other thing they're going to do is they're going to use tech and they're going to use the media to try to flood the zone with anti-Trump and anti-insurrectionist content and not report on things like, uh, for example, the story where we saw today where it's now 7.30 to get an Egg McMuffin in Connecticut. That's the stuff that people yes. really care about. It's the it's it, much more than uh, something that Trump may or may not have done four years ago. It's it's 
100% how people's lives have suffered under Joe. So can the media keep that off the front pages? By and large, they probably can't. Not off the front of Breitbart.com, for sure. The only website to go. Alex, uh, Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Mike, thank you. Have a good day, brother. Uh, of course, I host the uh, Breitbart News Daily radio show on Sirius XM Patriot, which we now simulcast right here on the first TV every weekday morning from 7 to 9. We simulcast the last two hours of the show. And Alex is on uh, frequently. He's the editor-in-chief, of course. Uh, coming next, we'll talk more about Michelle Obama right here on the first TV. Podcast brought to you by Public Square, the Public Square app. I was at the launch party, geez, two two years ago. Like, like I don't think I don't think it was three years ago. Like, I don't know. Time flies, but um, they just started in San Diego, and now they're nationwide and amazing, and they're public company now for the love of me. And Donald Trump Jr. is one of the main investors. Is it now? They're just exploding, and they're good people. They're good, solid people. I know them. I'm friends with them. Michael is a good man. Download the app for free. How? Uh, or why? So you don't give your money to woke companies who hate you anymore. If you need to buy something, go there first. If you're like, what should we eat for dinner today? Where should we go? Download the app and just look for restaurants near you. You want some coffee, you don't want to go to Starbucks anymore. Download the app, look for coffee places near me, and you can spend your money with people who share your values. That's what it is. That's what they're doing. That's what they've done. Public Square in the App Store, totally free, publicsq.com. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. Okay, this is very interesting. I'm very excited about this Michelle Obama conversation. Joel Gilbert's here is the author and filmmaker behind Michelle Obama 2024, her real life story and plan for power. Mr. Gilbert, thanks for being here. Uh, my first question, is Michelle Obama a man? No, I'm, I'm not, Joel. Come on. We're not going to go there, Joel. Not on this show. Well, I can tell you that's a it's a total joke from uh, Joan Rivers, who's a comedian, and people picked up on that online to kind of make a joke, I think, because Michelle had 15 years of all positive publicity, so it gave something negative mm. about her. But it's not true. She is female. She's always been female. And uh, Michelle is a total phony, but it has nothing to do with her gender. There's <laughs> lots of reasons to be critical. Transgenderism is not one of them. Okay, uh, Liz, I love doing deep dives. I love doing biographies of people. And I don't know that much about Michelle Obama. And honestly, kind of need to be reminded of the Obamas even again. That seems like so long ago. Um, so if you don't mind, take us back to the beginning. Like where was she born? Who? Her parents, etc. Yeah, look, Michelle really is the ultimate political animal. She was born into a family with her father being a politician. Her father was a precinct captain in Chicago working for the Democrat Party machine. Uh, she ran for student council and was the treasurer in, in high school. She grew up in Jesse Jackson's house. She was best friends with his daughter Santita when Jackson was running for president. So she's always been around politics. She said wow. she fell in love with Barack because he gave a political speech in, in a church that she liked. So she's extremely political. Uh, her 
professor at Harvard, Charles Ogletree, was also Barack Obama's professor a few years before Michelle. And he said between Michelle and Barack, he thought it would have been Michelle to run for president, not Barack. That's how political she is. So she's always been heavily into politics. And uh, wow. in, in my film, yeah, in my film and book, I go into her real childhood, her real life story uh, that she's been kind of trying to cover up for political reasons, to manipulate voters and especially manipulate the black community into thinking she's just one of these ordinary black folks, she's just like them, but it, it's all a complete fraud. I've never heard that Jesse Jackson connection ever before. Yeah. Uh, what's oh, yeah. something about her past that she wouldn't want to get out there that, that would come across as not good? Well, a couple things. Her main vulnerability is her terrible relationship with the black community in Chicago that she doesn't want people to know about. As a kid growing up, Michelle had nothing to do with the black community. She refused to study at schools one block from her house because they were all black. Her and her brother both went an hour away to a Catholic school and a magnet school. Michelle had no black friends. Uh, the kids accused her of acting white and talking white. Michelle even writes in her book about getting beat up by a girl who called her an Oreo. I mean, it's a racial insult. It means you're black on the outside, but you're really a white girl on the inside. And then Michelle doesn't want you to know that she got her revenge on the black community when she was working in Chicago in her career. Michelle was the assistant planning commissioner for Mayor Richard Daley and they used Michelle to kick 20,000 black people out of their homes at Cabrini Green. It was a project and the Democrat donor developers like Tony Resco wanted the land to build condos. And the black, uh, the white liberal establishment couldn't hire a white person to kick black people out of their homes. So Michelle always took those jobs to do the dirty work for white liberals. Michelle wow. kicked them out of their homes and told them it's gonna be good for you. And having proven she could do the dirty work, against the black community. Michelle was hired by the University of Chicago Medical Center to head up the Southside Health Collaborative. And this was a program because they were losing money when black people who didn't have good insurance showed up at the emergency room at the medical center. Michelle's job was to load them into white vans and dump them back on the Southside at these crappy clinics and strip malls. And Michelle told them it's gonna be good for you. So Michelle always exploited and abused the black community. And she's been pretending now for years to be one of these ordinary black folks. I suffered from discrimination growing up. I suffered from white flight. All these are lies to manipulate uh, minority voters into thinking that she's one of them. Amazing. Where did this come from? Where did her views on black people come from? Well, it, I think it came from the fact that she grew up in a political family. Her father's job was to convince the black neighborhood to vote for the white liberals. So Michelle was always an elitist and the black community didn't accept her. She was thought of as a white girl. She talked about her hero growing up was Mary Tyler Moore. She watched the Brady Bunch every day and they beat her up. And I've even got her on tape in my film. She said she's afraid to go to, out of her house because the black kids would beat her up. So Michelle's animus toward the black community started at a young age and she exploited them in her career. It's no surprise that she always took jobs to exploit and abuse the black community. But for politics, Michelle does things like putting on a phony urban accent when speaking to a black audience. Uh, she lies and said she was held back in life because of her race. And I expose all of that in my film and my book. Amazing. She also says she hates politics. Well, what's... <laughs> But I, I didn't know she had such a deeply political background, as you say, so that's clearly- yeah, Well, you might, I'll tell you how that came around. You might remember in 2008, Michelle was running around the country 
uh, giving speeches to huge crowds, very nasty anti-American speeches. She said, you can't afford health care. You don't get sick in this country. You can't afford your mortgage. You can't buy food. And she went over the top one day and said, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a primary. Now, she said a lot worse things than that, but the media picked up on that. And that's when the Obama campaign told her, they said, look, people are paying attention to you now. We could lose the race because of you. And that's when the next day she got a speechwriter and she took a step back and said, oh, 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 I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. That's where that comes from. So when she got in the White House, she kind of tried to stay in the background. But she's more political than Barack. She's a better speaker. She comes across more authentic. And she really is a better politician than Barack. Wow. Okay, so I've fallen for this shtick because I never knew otherwise. Like I, I never dug deeper. I never thought about it for long in this. So I fell for the shtick that she has no political ambition. You're saying she does. Oh, she's very political. She's the classic political animal from a political family. She grew up around Jesse Jackson. She, like I said, she fell in love with Barack only because of his political uh, behavior. So she, she married a politician. She, she married her father. Yeah, so he, she married a politician. So she's uh, extremely political. I mean, she's always dropping political innuendos. People don't remember that Michelle tweeted on January 7th, 2021, demanding that Trump be removed from social media. And the next day they removed him from social media. She's all politics all the time. Wow. So do you think, let's go backwards. Do you think she could run in 2028? Uh, I think she's primed to run in 2024. The uh, Democrat Party establishment doesn't want her. The voters don't, I mean, they don't want Biden. The voters don't want Biden. He clearly is going to lose to Trump if the election is fair. Uh, I think Michelle's been preparing to run against uh, Trump for some years because she's following the exact same formula, copying what Barack did to run for president. Barack had a voter registration organization before he ran for president in Chicago called Project Vote. Michelle started something called When We All Vote and got $26 million from George Soros to register voters. Uh, Barack wrote two autobiographies, uh, Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope before he ran for president. Sure enough, Michelle wrote her best-selling book, Becoming, and also The Light We Carry. They're both also on Netflix. And of course, Barack was the keynote speaker who introduced John Kerry at the 2004 Democrat convention. That's the position they give to the person they think will be the nominee at the next convention. Sure enough, there was Michelle in 2020 introducing Joe Biden as the keynote speaker at the Democrat convention. And you look at the fact that they put the national uh, convention, the Democrat DNC is in Chicago this year, Michelle's hometown. I think it's set up for Michelle to replace Joe Biden. Wow. What do we need to know big picture about the Obamas and the Obama worldview? Well, the Obamas are radical Marxists out of Chicago. Uh, the, the difference being that when the Tea Party was mostly protesting against a fiscal irresponsibility, kind of rose out of the Republican Party, the Republican establishment rejected the Tea Party and tried to break them up. When the radical Marxists with Obama emerged out of Chicago, the Democrat Party embraced them and put them in charge of their party. And that's why the Democrat Party has turned into a radical socialist party. So the Obamas, uh, have an agenda that they don't always talk about. When Barack ran for president, he ran as a mainstream candidate. He said, I'm gonna obey the constitution. Uh, I'm gonna enforce the border. I'm against gay marriage. And as soon as he got elected, he threw the voters under the bus and pursued this radical agenda that nobody voted for. So uh, 
Americans will never agree with socialism, with communism and socialism. They don't agree with this total nonsense. So the, uh, the radicals have to always present a different front, lie about their agenda, or just say they wanna help people, uh, they're against racism. And once you give them the power, they turn everything uh, into chaos. Gosh, it's it's so easy to sell the Michelle Obama package if you're a Democrat to the to the normie and the low info voter out there. She's like a younger Oprah, and she's gonna unite people, and she's kind and wonderful and youthful and vibrant and so eloquent, like they said about Barack. Uh, it's such an easy pitch, but but and I'll just I'll, I'll, my last question here is on enthusiasm. There's zero for Biden. Uh, but there's, there, there would be a lot for Michelle Obama, don't you think? Yeah, there are polls out there right now showing that uh, she's the most beloved Democrat. She's a pop culture phenomenon. I went to her uh, event with Oprah here in Los Angeles last December, and she had uh, 1,000, 6,000 people lined up for two hours. They already had tickets. So she can draw a huge crowd. Yeah. She can fill up stadiums. And she's the most beloved Democrat. She's had 15 years of hundreds of magazine covers, interviews, uh, you name it, all positive. So I think she's primed to become the candidate and clearly the Democrats are, are done with Joe Biden. They just wanna hang all the terrible results on Biden and start fresh with yes. Michelle who can appeal to yeah. nostalgia. Remember how much you love the Obama yes. years. I wanna bring us back together. Yes, yeah, so, I'm sorry, last question. What about the Kamala problem? Kamala's not a problem. She has no support. Uh, I think white people mistakenly think that the black community has any connection to her. Uh, Kamala is not African-American. Her mother's from India and her father's from Jamaica. And Kamala grew up in Canada. So she has no common experiences with the black community. She's not African-American. And I think uh, Kamala will be completely ignored and no one will even think about her. Yeah, I think that's probably right. All right, Joel Gilbert, great stuff, author, documentarian of Michelle Obama 2024, her real life story and the plan for power. Hey, Joel, thanks for all that insight. Great stuff. Okay, MichelleObama24.com. Thank you. Okay, very good. MichelleObama24.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Joel. All right, more coming up next right here on The First. Hey, thanks for joining us in our special, uh, will Joe Biden make it to the election? Big picture, I think it's worth taking a breath here and saying that we should have a conversation in our country about aging well in America. We talked in the first segment about the spin that it was Time Magazine. We're going to hear a lot of people say it about uh, ageism. Oh, you're being an ageist by thinking that the 82, uh, ultimately 86-year-old <laughs> baby shouldn't be, shouldn't be president. That's not really ageism. But yeah, we should have a conversation about, about age in America. We have such a youth-obsessed culture that people desperately want to cling to that. They don't want to get old. We've so, we've so lifted up the, the importance and, and wonder of being young that we've denigrated getting older. We have older people clinging to their youth, sometimes looking very ridiculous while doing it. I mean, you literally, we have, we have some tech billionaires trying to live forever, trying to reverse aging, spending millions of dollars a year, taking hundreds of pills. Uh, the one guy, Brian Johnson, I think is his name, he's, he injects his teenage son's plasma into his own body. He's like, man, right? these people are, are desperately trying to knock it all. That's more of a transhumanism special that we can say for another day. But people are doing so much uh, to, 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 to cling to their youth. Uh, 
And I think it's a shame. We shouldn't look down on growing old. Quite the opposite. We used to call them the golden years. It's a golden because it's worthy of something of value. Proverbs 16.31 says, Gray hair is a crown of glory. It's gained in a righteous life. We had on my radio show the other day, we had a a 90-year-old man call in and he was just talking about what life used to be like and it was just beautiful. And he was so wise. It was like enchanting. You could just hear the wisdom in his voice. This is a man who lived life. It was so obvious. And people just called in and they're like, that guy was awesome. <laughs> we, got a, we have a lot to learn from our older generations. Which, by the way, to make this more religious, a uh, healthy church has a lot of gray hair in it. If you're visiting churches or you're looking at churches and you got a church with a lot of gray hair in it, that's a good church. Good sign. It's a good church. So aging gracefully, knowing the, the seasons of life and embracing what each season is for, that's great. We need to talk about that. But part of aging also is knowing when to pass the torch to a new generation. There's a lot of churches, uh, I fear, that are so built around one person, one the, the, the preacher, right? And that makes sense, of course. But that preacher needs to also focus on building up a strong leadership team around them. And honestly, I think should pass it off before they pass away. Because it's not all about me. It's got to be about something bigger than you. But if it's all about you, then you're not going to pass that torch until you die. If it's about something bigger, you're going to pass it off. There's a time for everything. And one of those times in life is to enter into the sage part of life. And when you're in a sage part of life, your role is different than when you're you're in the warrior stage, right? The warrior stage is out there fighting. The sage takes that step back and is there to help the warriors lift them up so that they can be stronger. Politically, Biden, in a, in, a, in a sane world, would hand over his power to a new generation, especially Biden. Biden's not a once-in-a-generation person like Trump, right? Trump, there's only one Trump, but Biden is a Democrat. He's one in, one in a million Democrats. But let's learn. Let's learn from the people who desperately grab on a power, and let's not be like that. And the way to do that is to know that there's something after this world. There's something of greater value after this world. While we're here, though, we should be building up others, not clinging to power or clinging to prestige for ourselves. For all of us, the, uh, the Bible says often that beauty, the beauty of youth fades away quickly. But this is good because now you can focus on your wisdom and your experience instead. It's a good thing about growing, growing old. When you're young, it's all YOLO. You live in the moment. But as you grow older, you start to think about the end of life. You start to think about mortality. You start to you reflect on, on maybe time wasted earlier in your life. Now on these things that clearly don't matter. And this is good. Because you instead, then hopefully, start to invest more of your life and time and energy and money into things that have a lasting legacy. That's what we should all be focusing on as young, as early as possible. Our podcast is called Politics by Faith. It's every day, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then right here on The First TV, wherever you're watching this, we have our daily show, uh, Breitbart News Daily, which is on SiriusXM Patreon. You have to pay for it over there, but we give you the last two hours of it simulcast right here for free on The First TV. Spread the word. 